many reporters paid for covering the Russiagate story. Media figures who exposed illegal surveillance, manufactured intelligence, and other abuses in the Trump-Russia investigation almost always paid a price. Three years ago on February 25, 2021, Aaron Maté at Real Clear Investigations ran in final days Trump gave up on forcing release of Russiagate files, Noon's Prober says. Extensively quoting former principal deputy to the acting director of national intelligence Kosh Patel, Aaron wrote a section on assessing the intelligence community assessment. Detailing a lot of the same story Michael Schellenberger, Alexandra Gudentag, and I ran in public and racket Thursday. Describing a 2018 House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, HPSCI, report on the subject, Aaron wrote, The March 2018 House report found that the production of the CIA deviated from established CIA practice, and the core judgment that Putin sought to help Trump, the House report found, resulted from significant intelligence tradecraft failings that undermine confidence in the ICA judgments. Many of us who followed this story, a number of reporters on both sides of the aisle did so obsessively, have long had a good idea about the general direction of that House investigation. The tale of improper CIA and FBI surveillance mixed with manufactured intelligence has been in the ether since late 2017 and early 2018. I'll list just a few of the names who reported stories in this direction over the years, in some cases day after day on broadcast shows. An attentive reader will notice nearly everyone on the list has been denounced at some point by the mainstream commentators who got this story horribly wrong. Aaron, considered a traitor by former mainstream colleagues, faced pressure from the staff at The Nation, was denounced by The Guardian as part of a network of conspiracy theorists, and failed to gain support from any major media outlet when the FBI passed on an outrageous request from Ukrainian secret services to remove him from Twitter. Others who got this story right but were singled out for dismissal or ridicule include former CIA official Ray McGovern, who was called fringe and conspiracy-mongering by Max Boot, a member of the illustrious club of pundits who botched both the Steele dossier and Iraqi WMD stories. Former NYPD officer and Secret Service agent Dan Bongino, who has been on this subject for years and was called a misinformation superspreader by the New York Times after the 2020 election. Intercept founder Glenn Greenwald, denounced as a pathological bigot for dissenting on Trump-Russia themes, and ultimately forced out of his own publication for writing critically of Hunter Biden and Burisma without adequately addressing the question of Russia's hand. Former CIA operative Larry Johnson, who said years ago that the surveillance campaign began with a GCHQ, Britain's version of the NSA, in 2015, and was among the first to say publicly what our source just told us, that there is intelligence suggesting Maltese professor and supposed Russian asset Joseph Misfood was British intelligence. He's naturally been denounced as a conspiracy theorist. Fox Business host Maria Bartiromo, declared bonkers by the Daily Beast, perhaps the most aggressive promoter of the collusion theory and one of the most dependable producers of factually dubious stories on this subject in the mainstream press landscape. Author Lee Smith, the major chronicler of the HPSCI work, more to come on this, who naturally was ripped for conspiracy theory for publishing a book on the subject. Pulitzer winner Jeff Gerth, who wrote a 24,000-word deconstruction of the Trump-Russia coverage in the Columbia Journalism Review that included a quote from Bob Woodward saying the media needed to walk down the painful road of introspection. He was called a Trump-Russia denialist who can't handle the truth by David Korn of Mother Jones, one of the first people to publish the phony Steele blackmail story. 
Another real clear writer, Paul Sperry, who wrote about CIA chief John Brennan overruling dissent to create the 2017 intelligence community assessment. Sperry popped up in the Twitter files when the office of California Congressman Adam Schiff, who infamously said he had more than circumstantial evidence of collusion, asked to have Sperry banned. Professor Margot Cleveland of The Federalist and Chuck Ross of The Daily Signal, who both got this right and were both marked unreliable by Pentagon-funded NewsGuard. Former The Hill and current Just the News writer John Solomon, who published a significant amount of the key documents in this matter, and was the subject of a poisonous media campaign that crested particularly during the period of the first Trump impeachment. Citizen investigators like the racket-profiled Sleuth's Corner of at Walkafire, at Techno underscore Fog, at Ryan M5869917, at Climate Audit, at Fool underscore Nelson, and at HMM5747-4203. This group who uncovered the name of the primary subsource of famed British ex-spy Christopher Steele, Igor Danchenko, not only went roundly uncredited, but was immediately accused in the New York Times of putting Danchenko in Russia's sights by Virginia Senator Mark Warner. There are countless others. Even I took more than one whack at this material in the past, among other things listing episodes involving illegal classified leaks as a way of focusing attention on intelligence abuses surrounding the Trump-Russia scandal. I heard the gist of this week's story six years ago, but didn't have the details and the multiple people willing to be sources I needed to put something in print. That changed when Michael, Alexandra, and Public got their scoop a few weeks ago. Anyone can go back and read the reports of the figures listed above and piece together pretty much the whole story we ran this week, minus a few conspicuous details. We learned that there were 26 surveillance targets among Trump's aides and associates in the 2016 campaign year, and we were able to use a number of key quotes, including the internal intelligence community analysis, that Russia wasn't desperate to avoid a Hillary Clinton presidency after all, but saw her as manageable and reflecting continuity and a relationship they were comfortable with. These details, along with things like the assertion that the surveillance had nothing to do with our relationship with Russia and was just leveraging capabilities to undermine a rookie unprepared Trump campaign, are important and move the story forward. The quotes about Russia's attitude toward Hillary in particular could be impactful in helping undo one of the last surviving Russiagate myths. Still, it's important to make clear that the substance of these pieces was already out thanks to the people listed above, along with others. Joseph Wolfson, Rich Lowry, Caitlin Johnstone, I may have neglected to mention. The novelty with our series is that the headline-ready specifics from still-classified reports do not often get out in a way that's reportable. And far from searching for credit, the goal in jumping on TV shows and podcasts and trying to make noise with these stories is to inspire or shame either will do. Other reporters to build on these articles, as we built on eight years of past reports. A last note on the media angle. Amid the initial rush of Trump-Russia mania, a series of reports came out that featured tantalizing details. One was Jane Meyer's March 2018 Christopher Steele, the man behind the dossier, which told us about a stream of illicit communications between Trump's team and Moscow that had been intercepted by the GCHQ. The New Yorker piece asserted GCHQ chief Robert Hannigan flew to Washington to brief John Brennan about these details. Brennan already co-signed that story in May of 2017, when he testified in Congress, 
saying he had been aware of intelligence and information about contacts between Russian officials and U.S. persons that raised concerns that those people were cooperating with the Russians, and that this served as the basis for the FBI investigation to determine whether such collusion occurred. The Guardian's British spies were first to spot Trump's team links with Russia, also told this same basic story. There's considerable overlap between those accounts, the ones we just published, and the reports of the people listed above. In each place, you find the elements of very early intercepts of Trump team conversations captured abroad. I think I speak for everyone on the above list when I say I'd be thrilled if Brennan or Hannigan or whoever would come forward and show us what those illicit communications were, or what that intelligence that raised concerns was. If there's proof all of this was legitimate, we all need to see it. Thanks for listening to the audio version of this article. For more, visit racket.news.